Lindsay Berra, and welcome to Food of the Gods, a podcast that explores how elite athletes eat and train to fuel performance. This is part one of our conversation with Toronto Blue Jays left-handed relief pitcher Tim Meza. In 2019, Meza underwent Tommy John surgery to repair the torn ulnar collateral ligament in his elbow, which was further complicated by an additional flexor tendon tear. But after 18 months away from the big leagues, Meza, with the help of his mid-90s sinker, returned to be one of the most consistent arms in the Blue Jays' bullpen. In 2021, he logged 57 strikeouts in 53 innings with a 3.40 ERA and an impressive .98 whip. That's walks and hits per innings pitched. So how are you? Where are you right now? So I'm home. I'm in uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So okay. that's home for me in, in the off season. So yeah, that's where, you, where I'm you, currently you grew at. Up, you grew up in Lancaster or you grew up in Allentown? I grew up in Allentown and then went to school out here at Millersville, met my wife, and then we live in Lancaster. Uh, she taught and, well, she teaches at Searcrest uh, Middle School, so not far from us. So we, we kind of just stayed in the area. So as a Pennsylvania kid, what was your team growing up? I was a Phillies fan growing up. So I'm a mall Philly sports, uh, Eagles, Flyers. Yeah. And have, so have you stayed a Phillies fan as you've moved into MLB? Do you sort of secretly root for the hometown team? Not really. I I've kind of just stayed pretty much in my lane and whatever team I'm pitching for, that's what team I'm rooting for. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So you grew up in a pretty athletic family. Tell us a bit about that and how it influenced you to go into sports. Yeah, my dad played college, college basketball. My mom actually played men's soccer in high school because there wasn't a women's team. And then she continued tracking college. And then, yeah, I am the oldest of four. My one sister, she played at Hartford, played women's basketball at Hartford, and then ended up going overseas, played in Denmark and Lithuania, played basketball overseas. And then another sister, she, she didn't play any college sports, but she played sports throughout high school. She played soccer and basketball throughout high school. And then I have a brother who's currently in high school and he plays uh, baseball and basketball. So family gatherings have always been pretty intense. Uh, they get very competitive. And I think that's attributed to my success. It's just the competitive nature of, of my family. What other sports did you play growing up? I played uh, soccer, basketball, and baseball. And at what point did you start to kind of focus on just baseball? I played all three for the first two years of high school. And then I played basketball and baseball for the last, last two. And when I grew up and growing up, basketball was kind of my primary. And then once high school hit geared more towards baseball and started getting more interest in baseball from colleges and there was more scholarship opportunities throughout that path. So that kind of is what made me focus my whole attention on, on baseball. Were you a pitcher from an early age or did you play other positions too? Yeah. I started pitching when I was probably eight years old, but also in Lily, you're a pitcher, you're this, you're that, you know, and being left-handed kind of limits where you can play on the baseball field. So mm -hmm. I was pitcher in first base and outfield and then originally went to college as a two-way player and did that for a couple of years. And then kind of once I saw that there was some professional interest in me as a pitcher, I ditched hitting and, and I wasn't good enough to hit anyway past the first two years. You know, I, I did it, but I didn't get much time hitting. So uh, yeah, and then all my attention went on pitching. You had a bit of a long road, kind of a winding road to the big leagues. And I, I don't really think that 
I mean, casual listeners who don't follow baseball really prolifically really kind of know what that minor league journey is like. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I would say it was a rocky start to say the least. (laughs) My first two years went pretty bad from a statistical standpoint, from the way I was pitching. And I don't know if I was too much into the the leap thinking the the jump from division two college program to professional baseball. I think I mentally might've gotten wrapped up in thinking it was a huge jump, but no, the first two years went rough and I kind of entered the off season of after that second year, knowing that I had to show something or else I could kind of be on the way out and, and be on the chopping block from a release standpoint. But made some adjustments in my training, made some adjustments in my preparation leading in the spring training and, and put together a really solid spring that, that eventually led to a, to a really good season um, in Lansing and then kind of just went with the momentum and the momentum just kind of carried through the next few years into the, uh, the big leagues. And then, you know, once that hit, there's, there's a bit of a, a learning curve there and an adjustment once you get there. Was it a really big adjustment? Yeah, I think you're, you're learning. And again, you go from AAA to the major leagues and you could get kind of caught up in thinking it's a big jump and you have to change the way you approach the game or in my stance, change the way I approach hitters. And, and really I kind of had to take a few steps back and, you know, really simplify a game plan and figure out how I could have success at that level. Is it that obviously in AAA, I would think anyway, that the level of hitter is a little bit more spotty. There's you know, a couple good guys at the top and there might be another one, good one down in six, but maybe not everybody's awesome. Is it just that it's consistency that all of the hitters require all of your attention in the big leagues? Yeah. Yeah. There's that consistency. I think there's also one through nine can do damage um, in extra base hits and home runs and, and one through nine can hurt you in any given situation. So, so you're adjusting there, you're adjusting the game plans. I think some of the information that's available at the major league level is different than what's available at the minor leagues, just in terms of what hitters know about you entering those at bats or entering those games. There's just a a wealth of information that, that players can use to gain an advantage up there as compared to, to in triple a. So that wealth of information works the other way too. So you now have a wealth of information on each individual hitter. Is that something you like? Do you like to go through all of that info and find out who's hitting what, where, or is it overwhelming at times? I think you you have to learn how to sift through the information and find what's valuable for you. I personally like to simplify everything and, and not so much take out what's the hitter hitting at that certain point, but how do I attack that hitter with the stuff that I have? You know, is it one side of the plate versus the other? Is it off speed versus versus fastball? So that that's the preparation that that I take into it is just kind of formulating how my game plan matches up with that hitter and going strengths with my strengths as opposed to, you know, was that hitter handling on on that certain day or season, for instance, as as the season goes on, you kind of gain a little more clarity of of what their game plan is and what their approach is at the plate. So your first two years in the big leagues were pretty good. You came in with some some uh, good momentum, and then you unfortunately had to have a Tommy John surgery, which was complicated by that additional flexor tendon tear, which made your rehab extraordinarily long, which had to have just been such a blow for you. What was that? I mean, in retrospect, now that you can look at it and, and you're on the other side of it and doing awesome, what was that like for you? Yeah, when the injury happened and when the injury occurred, there was obviously a lot of emotions. What's it going to look like? You enter surgery and, and a major surgery like Tommy John and the addition of the flexor made it made a little more of a unique circumstance. But 
I think coming out of surgery, I, I wanted to control what I could. And that was attacking the, the rehab with hundred percent focus, hundred percent intensity. And, and you never quite know until you get back on the mound, what your arm's going to feel like, what it's going to look like, you know, is your velocity going to get back? Are the pitchers going to look the same? So you, you take that all into consideration and, and the lengthy rehab. And unfortunately for the world, we had COVID. So you throw in kind of a COVID year in that. And for me, I could speak for a bunch of people, especially, you know, my early guys that it kind of threw us in for, for a little bit of a curve and a little bit of a twist where, you know, there was no minor league season. So how do you prep? How do you lift? How do you get all this stuff done when gyms are closed? But I think I was one of the fortunate ones who was able to, once gyms open, find a place to work out. I set up a little bit of a home gym right before COVID hit. So I was able to, to use that until things kind of settled down. And so, yeah, while it was a tough injury to go through. I think I, I might've picked the best year if I could to do it when you, when you throw in COVID, but no, I just wanted to really control what I could and, and attack the rehab. And I think the organization, myself and all those who, who are involved in you know, my PT at home and, and where I trained, I think every step and every person who was involved did a great job. And yeah, we were able to come out on the other side and I, I feel great now and coming off of a, of a good season. You obviously, when you're rehabbing a, a Tommy John, you have to be pretty careful with that arm for a lengthy period of time. Were you yep. able to work out the rest of your body as you were letting your arm heal up and get stronger? Yeah. So that's a, I guess that's, that's another positive is you have this 14 month rehab to return to the mound, but it also gives you time to work on some other imbalances that I had and work on some mobility stuff that I was lacking before. And, and really it gave me 14 months to go through and, and attack some of those imbalances. For instance, I had a little bit of restricted range of motion in my hips. So it, it allowed me to, you know, focus on that for a little bit and just clean up some other things physically and mechanically on, on the way back from rehab. About how far into that rehab did you start throwing again? It was about, I want to say six months. And yeah. did it feel like your arm or did it feel like somebody else's arm? <laughs> no, no, it, it did feel weird at first. The arm action was not pretty for the first, I would say month. And I think I had to, I had to learn pretty much how to, how to throw again. The muscle memory took, took over, but I would say for the first few weeks, you're just kind of, uh, you're iffy about what it's going to feel like. And, you know, I think after that first couple weeks or after the first month of throwing, I was able to really clean stuff up and go through a, a normal throwing program. And, um, I dove into some, some plyos, which are huge in, in pitching now is that are like plyo balls, weighted balls. I did some, some movement stuff to clean up some delivery in, inefficiencies, did a lot of water bag work for stability purposes throughout my delivery and, and was able to, to clean that up as the arm, as the arm came along throughout the rest of the throwing program. Explain a little bit what the water bag work is for folks that may not know. Yeah. So it's a bag, probably a little less than halfway filled with water. And, you know, you go through some exercises that kind of engage some of the core and engage some stability stuff that pitchers may, may have to go through in a normal delivery and, and really allows you to clean up some of the, the lower half stuff, the, the use of legs and, and stability in your legs. So because the bag is half full with water and it's kind of flopping around, you have to be yeah. really strong through your core and with your balance and your sequencing and such. Exactly. Exactly. So are you a different pitcher now than you were prior to Tommy John? Yeah. 
prior to Tommy John, I was messing around with the two seam and I was predominantly four seam would throw in a little bit of a two seam and a slider coming out of Tommy John. I I'm strictly two seam slider. Now ditch the four seam for me, it was, it was straight. It wasn't as hard. I felt like I wasn't missing as many barrels with a four seam. Uh, the two seam kind of allowed me to take it off the barrel a little bit and, and induce some more weak contact. But yeah, from the way that I attack hitters is, is a little different now than, than pre-surgery just because of the two pitches that I'm using. But yeah, we were able to, to simplify things going through the rehab process and, and entering the season then prior. So this two-seamer that you're talking about is the one that everyone refers to as the sinker then? Yes, yes. So did you have that kind of downward action on it prior to surgery or was this something you learned throughout your rehab or you just learned tinkering? How, where did that pitch come from? Yeah, before I was getting some good action and good movement on it prior to the surgery and prior to the return to throw. After surgery, we were pre-committed talking to the, to the Blue Jays and figuring out, you know, what can I do to set myself up best for success following, following surgery and when I came back. And that was to get rid of the four seam and, and focus solely on the two seam and tinker around with it, try to throw it to both sides of the plate change elevations with it and really tinkering around and just throwing it more and getting more comfortable with the feel of it. Because prior to surgery being two seam, four seam, it, there was that, you know, I was using two seam to one side of the plate, four seam to another. And through the, the return to throw and, and being able to tinker around with it, I was able to, to get consistent action on it and use it to 12 or quadrants of the strike zone. Which again, if people aren't big baseball here is or listeners aren't huge baseball fans. Mm -hmm. It's a big deal for a lefty to be able to pitch to both sides of the plate and be able to pitch to both right-handed hitters and left-handed hitters. It gives the Toronto coaching staff all sorts of versatility with a guy with a pitcher like Tim. So they love to have guys like him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And with the, with the three better minimum as, as a left-hander, there's no more coming in face a lefty and, and get pulled from the game. So uh, I think uh, the repertoire that I that I have allows me to attack both lefties and righties because you're gonna have to learn how to how to face both with the three better minimum. Yeah. So, how did Tommy John surgery change the way you approach your workouts overall? It's a pretty intense. I would say you focus on the on the rehab and the and the PT side of things with strengthening shoulder muscles, strengthening your forearm muscles due to the flexor, the flexor injury as well. You're, you're rehabbing that, that forearm muscle as well as the UCL. And then on top of it, you're doing a lot of shoulder work throughout probably, probably more than I anticipated, you know, talking to people, they said, Oh, it's a lot of rotator cuff stuff, scap stuff. And on top of, of rehabbing the elbow. And, you know, I think it was, it was more than I anticipated, but it was quality stuff that I took into the season and that I I'll take into the off season just to, as precautionary and to build, build those muscles back up to get ready for another year for the workouts. It got to a point, I want to say about six weeks in that I was able to start four to six weeks in that I was able to start some light lower body stuff, some body weight stuff and kind of get that moving. But once the lower half stuff, once I was able to start gripping stuff, I was able to get into a little bit more intense lifts and that just progressed as the rehab went on. But early on, it was a lot of mobility stuff, you know, was trying to gradually straighten your arm. And then on top of it, you know, you're, you're just strengthening muscles around the elbow and around the shoulder throughout the rehab. Have you carried a lot of that arm care stuff over into your regular routine that things that you may not have been doing previously before surgery? 
Yeah, I was able to get a preset routine that I that I would get into every day for mobility stuff just to prep my body and to get ready to throw. I was pretty big proponent of arm care prior, but I also learned through to rehab kind of tinkering with with some of that stuff with post-game work, pre-game preparation and all that kind of stuff was stuff that I was able to tinker with throughout the rehab as well. So the arm care now is still the same kind of thing where you're strengthening your rotator cuff muscles, the forearm stretching, keeping everything all moving loosey goosey. Yeah. 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 And I would say in season, it's more just for, for maintenance and, and to maintain strength throughout the course of the season. Baseball is, is a pretty long season. So you gotta, you gotta try and maintain and stay strong throughout the course of the, the year. So now that you're in the off season, you've been off a couple of weeks now, what is the workout schedule like in the off season? Yeah, I'd say I took two weeks off and then started back with workouts and you start with uh, three days a week. And now, now we're into four days a week of lifts and that alternates for me. It's Mondays and Thursdays are lower body days, Tuesdays and Fridays are upper with a mobility and conditioning day, Wednesday, a uh, heavier conditioning day, Wednesday. And then um, I'm also back into throwing. Uh, I took a few weeks off throwing, but now I'm I'm starting to play light catch, just keep the arm working and, and almost a slow, gradual ramp up in the spring. Previous years, I prior to surgery, I would take a lot of time off throwing uh, until probably December. And then I'd start playing catch. And, and I think the ramp up was just too quick and, and too intense. So I like taking the two weeks off and then just start uh, starting to move around, move the arm, play catch two, three times a week, and then gradually increase the volume and intensity as we get closer to spring. How long do you wait before you throw off a mound again? It'll be January. Okay. So just yep. again, for the folks that don't necessarily know, flat ground throwing, playing catch, much less stressful on the arm and your general body because the mound, obviously gravity is, is uh, you know, you're kind of working against gravity falling down that mound. So it's a lot more stressful on your body. With the workouts in the gym, what are they focusing on right now? What are your goals for the off season? The workouts consist of a lot of reps right now, and, and we're almost building endurance. Uh, I think we're going through a bit of an uh, endurance phase through the workouts. So we're doing a lot of reps, a lot of tempo stuff. So, so there's some five-second counts down, hold hold for two, and uh, explode back up. And then we go through phases uh, where right now it's pretty big endurance phase. And as you get closer to, to mound work, uh, we'll incorporate some more power stuff, uh, some some short bursts and, and stuff like that throughout the workouts. But usually there's, there's a lift and it's paired with two mobility exercises along with the lift. So right now the lower body workouts consists of a lot of RDLs, split squats, deadlifts, single leg squats, that kind of stuff. Our upper body tends to be more push pull. So lat pull downs, you know, a lot of cable, cable rows, cable presses, and focus in more on push-pull movements. Not so much bench press for me, but more dumbbell stuff, cable stuff. What are your favorite exercises? <laughs> I do enjoy trap bar deadlift. I, I do fun. enjoy that. That's a fun exercise for me. In terms of an upper body exercise, probably, I don't know, it's hard because I don't do any of the the huge, you know, I don't do bicep curls or triceps or, or a barbell bench press, but, you know, I think lat pull-downs are some some of my favorite ones and some that I enjoy doing, but I enjoy lifting. I enjoy the lifts. You know, I think the off season gives me a chance to really get after it and really build some strength entering the season. So, yeah. Are there any exercises that you love to hate the ones that you totally can't stand doing, but you do them because you know, they're good for you. 
Yeah, uh, rear foot elevates wood squats are some that I that I do not like, especially now because we we're in a phase where it's a five second countdown with a five second hold at the bottom. So those those are not fun for me. I understand why we do them, but I do not enjoy doing them. But there's definitely with those exercises, I feel a sense of accomplishment when I'm done them because I because I realize you know it's a it's a grind of an exercise, and especially when when you add some tempo to it that makes it a little more uh, fulfilling when when you're finished. So I'm not sure exactly how many athletes we've had on this podcast now, but at least three other ones have said that the exercise they love to hate is a rear foot elevated split squat. So you are not alone. (laughs) Everyone hates them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. This concludes part one of our conversation with Tim Meza. Be sure to check out part two and be sure to follow the Blue Jays on both Instagram and Twitter at at Blue Jays to keep up with Tim and his team this offseason and in 2022. Until next time, for more information on Food of the Gods or to download other episodes, visit us at foodofthegodspodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow us on Instagram at at foodofthegodspod or email us at foodofthegodspodcast at gmail.com. Food of the Gods is a Digitant Podcast production. Oh, 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 oh